Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chef on a Mission Radio. I am Chef Marcus Giuliano, and I am your Chef on a Mission. Today's mission, we're going to talk about speaking up, making a difference, making a change, how that starts, how it started in my career, and how it still works. Uh, so, going to be exciting today because we can all make change. Before we jump into that, though, this program is brought to you by my restaurant, uh, Aroma Time Bistro, T-H-Y-N-E, Bistro, B-I-S-T-R-O, Aroma, first word, A-R-O-M-A, Aroma Time Bistro, located in Ellenville, New York. We're 90 miles north of New York City in the beautiful Hudson Valley. We've been serving farm-to-table cuisine since 2003 here, and uh, we have a lot of fun with the food, with the wine, with the, the booze, with, the, with everything here. Uh, we truly are passionate about what we do and um, have a lot of fun doing it. So um, check us out, aromatimebistro.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And also brought to you by vipwinerivacations.com, VIP Winery Vacations. Because we love wine and we know a lot of people in the wine region, we bring you to our friends' wineries in Italy, um, California, uh, uh, New York, and now Baja, California, which is Mexico, in the Valle de Guadalupe region. There's an amazing, amazing wine region. So check out VIPWineryVacations.com for our upcoming tour dates, scheduled tour dates. We have some stuff coming up uh, in New York and in Valle de Guadalupe in Mexico, hopefully soon to start returning to um, Italy. Hopefully soon. We'll see what happens with travel and um, restrictions. All right. Why speaking up is so important. So when I was a young chef, um, 24 years old, one of the, I was an executive chef at a country club at 24 years old. And one of the members came up to me and her husband was the past president. I remember Jane Denzinger, she came up to me and she goes, Marcus, can you get us hormone-free, antibiotic-free beef here? Um, and I'm like, um, I didn't know what to say, right? I was like, um, okay. Sort of pretended I knew what I was talking about. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, what's she talking about? What do you mean antibiotic-free and hormone-free beef? And this is back in 1998 um, when this wasn't mainstream at all. At all it wasn't mainstream, um, not even in progressive um, states where um, they had farm to table movements and things like that. Um, they, I mean, it was it was not something you went to a regular grocery store and was like, oh, we have grass fed, you know, organic, hormone free beef, antibiotic free beef, and sustainability rates and that sustainability um, rating. So I, I scrambled and I started looking for for documentation. I found some articles and and this is before you like you could just pull out your phone and start searching away. It's hard to believe that was only like 24 years ago, right? 23 years ago, 25 years ago. It's hard to believe that's how little little ago that was. And you couldn't pull, pull your phone out and start doing that. So I got some documentation. I read some articles and I was like, oh, wow, what's going on in our beef supply? What's going on? This is, this is atrocious. As a young chef, I was like, I want to make a change. I want to make a difference. And by that one person, that very one person saying something to me, speaking up, it totally changed my course on how I cook food and my career and my, my outlook totally changed my whole career. You never know the one conversation you have with somebody that will change something. And you look at what I've done over the last, you know, 20 some years since that, uh, 
in Colorado, becoming part of the Chefs Collaborative and um, organizing all the farmers out there. And, and I mean, Colorado Department of Agriculture called me the Willie Nelson of Colorado because I did all these farm events and raised a lot of money for farmers and promoted them and got them all together and on the same page with chefs. You know, so one simple conversation sparked sparked something in me that changed the way I was going to cook in the future. So if you're a consumer, you never know, we're all consumers, right? You never know the one conversation you have with somebody at the right time can totally, totally change. I mean, we've, I mean, from what, from what I've done with out serving farm salmon and, and only being committed to, I mean, only, I mean, I, I'm, I became very strict on all this and only serving real food um, was probably far more than, than, Mrs. Denzinger bargained for when she mentioned that to me far more than she was hoping out of the conversation. Um, so she really honestly altered my career. Now, last week I had a chocolate lady call me and she was selling us, trying to sell us chocolates. And she was like, do all these events and wineries and my chocolates are this, this, and this. And oh yeah. And I said, well, where are they sourced them? Oh, they're fair trade, they're all this, or she, she just rattled off what they are, right? All these high accolades of sustainability and fair labor. And because chocolate folks, chocolate is one of the worst industries for child labor, slave labor, downright slave labor. I mean, chocolate and sugar um, go hand in hand and they are not good situations uh, at all. They're <laughs> anything coming out of Africa. And I know all these companies, these big companies, Calabo and all these companies saying, oh, you know, we don't, we don't support child child labor and this that they don't support child labor so barry calibo doesn't support child labor because they own the the factory where they're processing it but they're not on the farms they don't own the fields these come from all small farmers in cote d'ivoire and ghana and all that area of africa where all it is is farms with children but by the time it gets to the plant in the big cities it's a totally different situation so yeah so Calibo might own the plant, the facility where they're processing it at, where they're packaging it at, right? And there, they're building schools, and there, they're not hiring kids. But the chocolate's been raised by kids, by 10, 9, 10-year-old boys, and they're not going to school, and they're out there in, in dangerous situations. And because the government um, or the fair or the open market price on chocolate is just so low that they can't afford to, to pay labor. So they get these young boys there. They're trafficked in, um, they're bribed in, they're sold in, however they can get there. They're barely paid. Um, they're indentured servants. And then you have people coming like Calibo just pretending like, oh, like we've done our part and our chocolate's great when it's not great. It's not. So, um, and I've called Calibo out on this um, and other companies that do this and their reps at these shows and everything. Um, and they can't answer me because they know I'm right. They don't have full control of the chocolate. There are some other brands that are better in general because they're sourcing from different regions. Like if you source something from South America, South America has, believe it or not, much more fair labor than Africa. All right. It's fairer labor. It might not be fair labor, but it's better paying labor. It's less, you know, less indentured servants on these plantations doing chocolate. So, so South American chocolate is far better, but African chocolate is like 75%, 80% of what's on the market. It's just Africa produces it very cheaply. And all the companies like Hershey's and they, they all Nestle's, they all buy, they all have their hands in chocolate um, coming out of Africa because of its very, very cheap price. So the lady says to me, oh, my chocolates, you know, 
you know, fair trade, this and that. And I said, okay. And most, most people would have stopped at that point. Even Jamie said, well, I, I would, I would have stopped it. I would not have, I wouldn't, wouldn't have asked strangers would have taken her word for it. Right. I'm just taking her word for it. Me. I know that people deceive. They deceive on purpose because they know. Now this lady knows. She knows that all that stuff is bad in chocolate. Did she, is she doing this? I don't want to say maliciously, but is she doing it, you know, in, in a very, in, in a bad way? I just honestly don't think she really paid attention and she honestly knew, but she should. It's her responsibility. It's totally her responsibility before she starts doing this. I don't know how long she's been doing this. I have no idea how long, you know, the, um, these people these people do this. And I, I've called out a lot of people, um, Wolfgang Puck, Tom Colicchio, because they're not serving what they said they were serving. Who knows how long Tom Colicchio was doing it until somebody said something to me and I, I, started pressuring them for months and calling and calling and calling and finally breaking breaking his fraud on on youtube and on twitter until something actually changed so so some some people know what they're doing some people just take it for granted that hey you know the fish came from the ocean why wouldn't it be wild you know um the fish salmon came from the from, from an ocean from a bay of course it's wild and but then you have companies that like the faroe islands that saying farmed in the wild and which is very confusing for chefs farmed in the wild um no it is farmed in the ocean in a bay in an open net pen that is filled with feces and all kinds of the crap and diseases and lice and it has um, you know, 10 fish per hundred die because of the filthy conditions. That's what the reality of what, what there is, but they, they do their marketing and say, oh, raised in the wild and take pictures of above the water and all this kind of stuff and how the mountains are back there and everything. So she says to me back to the chocolate lady, she goes, oh yeah, all this and this. And I, and so I say, well, what, what brand are you using? Cause now I want to know what brand she's using, right? Well, what brand are you using? She tells me the brand I type it in. I'm on the computer and I'm looking at this website and it says nothing about fair trade nothing whatsoever about organ nothing about this nothing and i'm like hmm so we hang up the phone with her and and then i call the company call the company and of course you have to get in a queue and you have to leave your name and it's it it, it turns out that they still haven't called me back a week later so we get a message from her after doing more research i realized that chocolate is not really fair trade or whatever um I'm willing, I'm actually willing to change. I'm willing to change the way I'm sourcing chocolate because I gave her a couple of resources for chocolate. She says, I'm willing to change the way I'm sourcing my chocolate. Would you still be interested in, in our product? And of course, yes, I am interested in your product and I will taste your product. Um, and especially if you are, what I, if you were going to make that change, that's amazing. Let's do that. I'll support you. Um, get the right chocolate in there. Get totally get the right chocolate in there and, 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 and do, do the right thing. So it, folks, this is why you speak up. This is why you say something. If more people would have said to her at the farmer's markets or wherever she was selling her stuff or at the tastings, is this fair trade? Oh, what's the brand? That would have sparked her to look further into it. So I just sparked her, 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 I sparked something in her at the right time to say, you know what? I could be buying better chocolate. And this really isn't, you know, what I thought it was. And I'm willing to admit that, hey, I can be doing better and I'm going to, I will do better. So really awesome when you speak up and people like actually listen, but you, we as consumers have power. We vote with our wallets. We vote with our wallets and that's what happens. Um, you know, one person started the fight against MSG and baby food. That one person um, who's an author back there on my shelf right there, that one person in the 70s said, why is MSG and baby food? 
and he started a campaign to get MSG out of Bayview. Starts with one person who has a conviction um, about something to make change. So my conviction is real food. And if you're going to be a salesperson walking into my restaurant or calling me and trying to sell me something, I'm going to ask you to prove that it's real food, that it's that it's that it is trustworthy, that it is sustainable, that it is doing the right thing, that it is organic, whatever it is. I'm going to ask you more questions. And by just doing that, one thing makes a difference. If this lady changes the way she sources chocolate, and she's a small chocolatier right here in, in the in the in the area, in the she's from downstate. Um, but she's probably busy. She probably sells a lot. She probably buys a lot of chocolate um, with all the events she does and the farmer's markets and the retail shows. She probably sells a lot of chocolate. So by one, having that one conversation can totally change her trajectory now on, on how she, how she sources chocolate. And then what can happen from there is she can be, have the same conviction that I do and now start telling her customers and clients what she sources and how proud she is of it and the differences in chocolate. And she can go on to educate even more people. This is how this happens, folks. It's just a domino effect of educating people, waking people up, making people aware and offering them the better choices. That's honestly how it happens. And how, that's how it happened with me. One person said one thing, opened up my mind. That one, that one thing then led me to join the Chef's Collaborative for Real Food. I was then at a Chef's Collaborative con con conference a couple of years after that Jane Denzinger, after Jane Denzinger mentioned about the beef. And by 1999, I was in a conference in New York sitting with next to Henry Lovejoy from EcoFish, the founder of EcoFish, which was a 100% sustainably based seafood company. Nothing ever existed like that before for chefs. Um, sat next to him for dinner and had an amazing conversation. And from that point on, no farm salmon. Um, the shrimp I've been very, very, very particular on. Every seafood item we brought in uh, that, I've, that I've served from that point on, I've been very, very meticulous and very, very high standards on what I bring in from that, that one conversation. But it took one conversation to get me to that conversation. So that's why I'm here with the domino effect. I would have never joined the Chef's Collaborative. I wouldn't have had that conversation because I started now working with chefs and farmers that led me to chefs that were like, oh, join this great organization that, that supports more farmers and supports real food. And I mean, in 19, 1999, 2000, I would go to the Cherry Creek Farmers Market in Denver and go out there and ask people to sign a petition to label genetically modified foods. This is back in 2000, folks. This is 22 years ago. We've been dealing with genetically modified foods for over 30 years now. Uh, GMOs, lab-created food where they start splicing genes and introducing um, toxins into, into fruits and vegetables because they want to repel um, insects off of them. Uh, this has been going on longer than, than, we, than we think. And I would go to the farmer's market and ask for people to sign this petition. And back in 2000, not many people knew about GMOs. And these are people that are shopping in a green organic market. And they're like, what, what, what are GMOs, this and that? But we were out there educating people and having conversations with people. And some people had no idea what about, and that was a, the, no idea what a GMO was and what, but they knew they should be buying organic. So we were having the first conversations with a lot of these people and hopefully changing their trajectory on what real food is and, and how they should be eating. And not, not long after that, Boulder County banned planting GMOs, a very progressive um, agricultural community in Colorado, Boulder County banned planting GMOs not not long after that a year two three years after whatever um, as a way for them to preserve their land and their their environment so you just never know 
the one person you talk to. So don't be afraid to speak up. Go out, have that one conversation. Ask that, ask that question. Tell, tell a, a restaurant owner, you know, why don't you have wild salmon? Why are you serving toxic farm salmon? Or if they are serving the real deal on anything, thank them for using a farm. Thank them for supporting a real food system. Thank them and let them know that it's appreciated because a lot of times, especially right now, chefs and restaurants are trying to save money left and right because every inflation, everything is going up like crazy, like crazy. So when you thank a restaurant for spending a little extra money and sourcing local, it goes a long way. Let them know that you're willing to pay the price for real food, a real food, food system local food, real food, let them know. The restaurant will really appreciate that because let me tell you something, a lot of restaurants get second doubts and they're like, how can I save money? You know, how can I say, how can I, and, and it's tough. It's really, really tough. So that's the story with that folks. Speak up, say something, change, change happens one step at a time. So, and um, in the meantime, uh, hit, go hit, uh, follow us at Aroma Time Beast Show. Uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, and of course, call, follow VIP Winery Vacations for all kinds of wine travel. All the wineries that we go to, that we travel to, are small family-run operations where they they want they support sustainable agriculture. They are totally into preserving their land, the land they live on, because they're not stupid um, to spray massive chemicals and, and, and ruin the land. And a lot of them are growing their own grapes as opposed to buying grapes. A lot of wineries do buy grapes, but... Um, when you live on the land and those are your grapes and your land, you're really more, more conscious of what you're putting into the land because you understand, hey, this land has been in my family for five generations, six generations, seven generations, eight generations. Why would I ruin the land now? So those are the type of wineries that we visit and um, and we take you and roll. they roll the red carpet out for us. So VIP Winery Vacations, check us out there and come travel with us. Lifetime memories are not optional. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This is episode number 77, I believe, right? 77, 77, speak up. Have a, everybody have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you later. 